Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, Lord. You said where two or three are gathered together, you will be in the midst, Lord. Amen. We thank you, Lord God. You are in the midst, and we are of good cheer. Thank you for giving us all that we ever could possibly need. And thank you for our food and our water and the supply. Thank you for guiding us in all our affairs, Lord. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our moves are inspired by you, Lord. Amen. We thank you for these things. You said you want us, Lord God, that you have sent your word and you healed us. Amen. And we thank you for that, Lord God, in the heavens. We just give you the glory and the honor, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you for today, June 22nd. We ask you to bless this time we have a reading. Father, and give us ears to hear and eyes to see your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Amen. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's good, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Okay, June 26, 2 Kings 9, 14 to 10, 31. 2 Kings 9, 14. 9, 14 to 10, 31. Okay. So Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nebshi, led a conspiracy against Joram. Now Joram had been with the army at Ramat Gilead, defending Israel against the forces of King Hazael of Aram. But King Joram was wounded in the fighting and returned to Jezreel to recover from his wounds. So Jehu told the men with him, If you want me to be king, don't let anyone leave town and go to Jezreel to report what we have done. Then Jehu got into a chariot and rode to Jezreel to find King Joram who was lying there wounded. King Ahaziah of Judah was there too, for he had gone to visit him. The watchman on the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu and his company approaching, so he shouted to Joram, I see a company of troops coming. Send out a rider to ask if they are coming in peace, King Joram ordered. So a horseman went out to meet Jehu and said, The king wants to know if you are coming in peace. Jehu replied, What do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman called out to the king. The messenger has met them, but he's not returning. So the king sent out a second horseman. He rode up to them and said, The king wants to know if you come in peace. Again, Jehu answered, What do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman exclaimed, The messenger has met them, but he isn't returning either. It must be Jehu, son of Nimshi, for he is driving like a madman. Quick, get my chariot ready, King Joram commanded. Then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah rode out in their chariots to meet Jehu. They met him at the plot of land that had belonged to Naboth of Jezreel. King Joram demanded, Do you come in peace, Jehu? Jehu replied, How can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us. Then King Joram turned the horses around and fled, shouting to King Ahaziah, Treason, Ahaziah! But Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. 
The arrow pierced his heart, and he sank down dead on his chariot. Jehu said to Bitkar, his officer, Throw him into the plot of land that belonged to Nebet of Jezreel. Do you remember what you and I were riding along behind his father Ahab? The Lord pronounced this message against him. I solemnly swear that I will repay him here on this plot of land, says the Lord, for the murder of Naboth and his sons that I saw yesterday. So throw him out on Naboth's property, just as the Lord said. Then King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, and he fled along the road to Bet-Hagan. Jehu rode after him, shouting, Shoot him too! So they shot Ahaziah in his chariot at the ascent of Gur near Eblom. He was able to go as far as Megiddo, but he died there. His servants took him by chariots to Jerusalem, where they buried him with his ancestors in the city of David. Ahaziah had become king over Judah in the eleventh year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat at the window. When Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You're just like Zimri, who murdered his master. Jehu looked and saw her at the window and shouted, Who is on my side? And two or three eunuchs looked at him, out at him. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out the window, and her blood spattered against the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her body under the horses' hoofs. Then Jehu went into the palace and ate and drank. Afterwards, he says, Someone go and bury this cursed woman, for she is the daughter of a king. But when they went out to bury her, they found only her skull, her feet, and her hands. When they returned and told Jehu, he stated, This fulfills the message from the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Elijah from Tishbe, at the plot of land in Jezreel. Dogs will eat Jezebel's body. Her remains will be scattered like dung on the plot of land in Jezreel, wow. so that no one will be able to recognize her. Amazing. Kings chapter 10, verse 1. Ahab has 70 sons living in the city of Samaria, so Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the elders and officials of the city and to the guardians of King Ahab's sons. He said, The king's sons are with you, and you have at your disposal chariots, horses, and fortified city and weapons. As soon as you receive this letter, select the best qualified or your master's son to be your king and prepare to fight for Ahab's dynasty. But they were paralyzed with fear and said, We've seen that two kings couldn't stand against this man. What can we do? So the palace and the city administrators, together with the elders and the guardians of the king's sons, sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and will do anything you tell us. We will not make anyone king do whatever you think is best. Jehu responded with a second letter. If you are on my side and are going to obey me, bring the heads of your master's sons to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the seventy sons of the king were being cared for by the leaders of Samaria, where they have been raised since childhood. When the letter arrived, the leaders killed all seventy of the king's sons. 
They placed their heads in basket and presented them to Jehu at Jezreel. A messenger went to Jehu and said, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. So Jehu ordered, Pile them in two heaps at the entrance of the city gate and leave them there until the morning. In the morning he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around them. You are not to blame, he told them. I am the one who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? You can be sure that the message of the Lord was spoken concerning Ahab's family will not fail. The Lord declared through his servant Elijah that this would happen. Then Jehu killed all who were left of Ahab's relatives living in Jezreel and all his important officials, his personal friends, and his priests. So Ahab was left without a single survivor. Then Jehu set out for Samaria along the way. While he was at Bet-Eked of the shepherds, he met some relatives of King Ahaziah of Judah. Who are you? he asked them. And they replied, We are relatives of King Ahaziah. We are going to visit the sons of King Ahab and the sons of the queen mother. Oh, Take them alive, Jehu shouted to his men, and they captured all 42 of them and killed them all at the well of Bet-Eked. None of them escaped. Then Jehu left there. He met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was coming to meet him. After they had greeted each other, Jehu said to him, Are you as loyal to me as I am to you? Yes, I am, Jehonadab replied. If you are, Jehu said, then give me your hand. So Jehonadab put out his hand, and Jehu helped him into the chariot. Then Jehu said, Now come with me and see how devoted I am to the Lord. So Jehonadab rode along with him. When Jehu arrived in Samaria, he killed everyone who was left there from Ahab's family, just as the Lord has promised through Elijah. Then Jehu called a meeting of all the people of the city and said to them, Ahab's worship of Baal was nothing compared to the way I will, I will worship him. Therefore summon all the prophets and worshipers of Baal and call together all his priests. See to it that every one of them comes, for I am going to offer a great sacrifice to Baal. Anyone who fails to come will be put to death. But Jehu's cunning plan was to destroy all the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu ordered, Prepare a solemn assembly to worship Baal. So they did. He sent messengers to all, all Israel, summoning those who worship Baal. They all came. Not a single one remained behind. And they filled the temple of Baal from one end to the other. And Jehu instructed the keeper of the wardrobe, Be sure that every worshiper of Baal wears one of these robes. So robes were given to them. Then Jehu went into the temple of Baal, with Jehonadab, son of Rechab, Jehu said to the worshippers of Baal, Make sure no one who worships the Lord is here, only those who worship Baal. So they were all inside the temple to offer sacrifice and burn offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 of his men outside the building and had warned them, If you let anyone escape, you will pay for with your own life. As soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, he commanded his guards and officers, Go in and kill all of them. Don't let a single one escape. So they killed them all with their swords, and the guards and officers dragged their bodies outside. 
Then Jehu's men went into the innermost fortress of the temple of Baal. They dragged out the sacred pillar used in the worship of Baal and burned it. They smashed the sacred pillar and wrecked the temple of Baal, converted it into a public toilet, as it remains to this day. <laughs> in this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal's worship from Israel. He did not, however, destroy the gold calves in Bethel and Dan, which wished Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to sin. Nevertheless, the Lord said to Jehu, You have done well in following my instructions to destroy the family of Ahab. Therefore your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. But Jehu did not obey the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. Wow. You know, what keeps going through my mind is the uh, you have... Uh, you have incredible authority in Jehu, and he was almost like a, an incredible um, general, a warrior, and he had all these guys behind him that um, I guess they were there in limbo, not really, uh, uh, you know, watching all these things, but they knew the prophecy. They knew the words of God. They knew what God had uh through Elijah, you know, and they said, this is what the Lord of the work, you know, God even commended him, even though his heart was not all the way, it sounds like a Christian today, huh, you have, you have Christians mm -hmm. worshiping God and so forth, and still going to raunchy movies, mm -hmm. or, you know, or maybe cheating on their taxes, or whatever, it's talking about Fernando here, no, I'm kidding, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't judge nobody, you know, right. In this world, you try to do it right, but, you know, you have to, uh, so it really fires me up to see Jehu so so uh, adamant and so uh, focused on doing the Word of God and making sure that, that you know, all this stupidity of worshiping Baal in Israel when the God, where God's Word is so plain, and he went out to uh, clean up, clean up the act. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, it's amazing how they kept repeating, did you come in peace? Is there going to be peace? They kept reiterating that. They said, well, how can there be peace when, when the queen mother, or whatever they called her, uh, in her witchcraft, you know, they recognized that. Amen. That's pretty cool. Okay, Acts chapter 17 says, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia. Okay, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, June 26th, the book of Acts. And uh, Lord, enlighten us more and more, we pray Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 34. June 26th. Okay. June 26th. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphi Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica. I can't pronounce these things. Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. 
He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this is Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers. Instead, they took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they're here disturbing our city, too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They're all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond and then they released them. Um, that very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea, with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the European or no Epicurean and Stoic philosophers when he told them about Jesus and about Jesus and his resurrection they said what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up. Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to be spend all their time discussing the, la this, the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men's of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth 
He doesn't live in man-made temples. Beautiful, Lord. That's awesome. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and determine their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us, for in Him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he is appointed and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead when they heard paul speak about the resurrection of the dead some laughed in contempt but others others said we want to hear more about this later that ended paul's discussion with them but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. Amen. Amen. You know, I really like when it says the uh, the believers took action right away, and they sent Paul to Athens. I really, yes. it's good to see that believers. We need to be in action yeah. to demonstrating our faith. You know, and be aware that there's there's a world out there that they're devil infested. We need to take action, you know, for safety. You know, and and not saying, oh, the Lord is going to take care of me when it's very obvious. You know, you're, you know, there's, you know, He gave us a brain to use too. Amen. And to and to, and I like the way it says right there. Would you read the commentary on it, please? Said Paul addresses at address, address is a good example of how to communicate the good news clearly and relevantly to a specific audience. Paul did not begin by reciting Jewish history as he usually did. This would have been meaningless to the Greek audience. Instead, he began by building a case for one true God using examples they understood. Paul opening, Paul's opening statement to the men of Athens was about their unknown God. Paul was not endorsing this God, but using the inscription as a point of entry for his testimony about the one true God. He established a common ground by emphasizing what they agreed on about God. Finally, he moved his message to the person of Christ. Amen. Centering on the resurrection of Jesus. When you tell others about Jesus, Paul, Paul's approach is a good one to follow. Figure out what beliefs you have in common and start there. That might mean asking lots of questions first. Use examples that will connect to others' experience, then testify about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Explain to them what it means to turn away from sin and turn to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. One of the things, you know, you you said that, you know, when I read this, the first time I did pick this up, it says, They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. You know, as a believer and a Christian, we got to do that. You know, if you listen to this teaching, that teaching, you got to look at it for yourself. You know, 
Um, I mean, and, and with today's software technology, mm-hmm. you have the ability to go very version. easily. You uh, right. you can see so, where God's speaking to us. Yeah, and so you know, Pastor Prince today he had a really good teaching. He says there was a there was a little saying that people use often. I'm so heavenly minded that I'm not earthly good. Oh. He said, "Where is that in the Bible?" Oh, oh, I use that a lot. <laughs> Where is that in the Bible? That's people? just it. Well, it, we need to be heavenly minded. This is what he was saying. We need to not and earthly. and earthly good in telling others. You yeah. know, what, what I see when you're not earthly good is when you're 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 in a Bible study and you're and you're picking up donuts and you're shoving shoving each other with donuts that everybody's saved and uh, you know you. you Enough prayer. Get out there and do some action. Get out there and pass some tracks and be in the front lines. You know, and go where the kids are at. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, get on, get in the danger spot. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Feed the home. Get out there. Yeah, and it, this really that was a good strategy by Paul. You know, as the commentary just indicated that he he didn't use the Jewish history to. to to hit him over the head, you know, he was really just kind of finding a common ground with them, uh-huh. so that he could get in there and bring Christ into the to the forefront. And I and I think that's good. I would explain that. Um, but it's amazing that they. Um, there was a point over here. Oh. He said, I noticed you're very religious because you got a lot of shrines around here. Yeah. So it, it's it kind of what goes on today. Everybody's so religious and they do this and they do that. Oh, well, he said to be intelligent and have common ground, yeah. like the little statement uh-huh. said, you know. And he uh-huh. just, you know, his compassion and love for the lost people, you know. So, you know, he's just a very good worker. Right, very uh, He came out, you know, mm-hmm. and, not, and not, you know, he didn't use pride. He used reason with them. He got the ones that are, they were chosen by the Father to come into the kingdom came in. Mm-hmm. And the ones that weren't chosen, they laughed at him, the scorn. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's sometimes our job is really easy because God has already prepared the soil. When Jesus was out there on the fourth chapter of John, he says the harvests are ready. Because, you know, because God has already done the work in getting the people ready. If they will listen to my words, they will listen to your words, he said. Mm-hmm. And Paul ran with it. He ran with it just like Jehu, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beating and, and outstanding. we got to see more of Paul's, Paul's uh, life stories. And I don't know, there's probably a 12 films on Paul's life, babe. Uh-huh. We have to, you know, and everybody has a different. It'd be great to start watching and become good at it. Huh? Yeah. And here at uh, verse 24, it says, "He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. <sighs> he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything." And he satisfied every need. You know, it goes back to to the Colossians, where it's, uh, or in the I think it says in the book of John, it says nothing was created that you know, um, everything that was created was for him. It said he is the God who made the world and everything in it. 
and and so he's everything he holds everything together you know from the beginning amen and so amen. so it's very powerful but as we go down here it says you know uh, we got it for us to to live and move and and exist it says we we have to live in him amen you know we have to we have to breathe him you know receive his breath because he's the one that gives us breath but you know we got to take a breath of jesus all the time breath of the father go back and you know just remember that he lives in us and he moves in us and and we are existing because of him amen amen um we're his offspring as i we talked his about offspring. earlier he's our yeah daddy. And he's our daddy and our daddy owns everything and he's created everything and he wants to bless us and heal us and and stay connected we are in his kingdom he, we are his beloved jesus loves us so he's so excited you know yeah. dancing and rejoicing you know he got like little parakeets on his shoulder yeah you know um this is interesting because i just heard that teaching from pastor prince today and he says when they heard paul speak about the resurrection of the dead some laughed in contempt but others said we want to hear more about this later he was mentioning that there's 27 books in the in the New Testament, and 23 of those books d discuss the second coming of Christ. Uh -huh. So I'm just noticing that here. You know, so awesome. Okay, Psalm 144, 1 to 15. Praise the Lord who's my rock. He trains my hands for war. He gives my fingers skill for the battle. He's my loving ally and my fortress. My tower of safety, my rescuer. He's my shield, and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. O oh Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should think about them. About them. For they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from the deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten stringed harp for you grant victory to kings you rescued your servant david from the fatal sword save me rescue me from the power of my enemies their mouths are full of lies they swear to tell the truth but they lie instead may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants may our daughters be like graceful pillars amen carved to beautify a palace May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our empty fields in our fields multiply by thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls. Amen to that, Lord. No going into captivity. No cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah, it's a good, good, good summary. 144. 
Okay, Proverbs 17, 27 to 28. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding even is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, Lord. We thank you for June 27th. We thank you for the reading of your word, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. And thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Thank you for orchestrating our lives today. And thank you, Lord God, that you may bless the work of our hands, our lips, our mouth, and that we do your bidding as this day is called. Lord, we choose to rejoice and we choose to count our blessings. We choose to move our feet and be thankful, Lord, that we're, we are in your kingdom and your promises have come true in our lives. We are free. We're rich. We're enthusiastic, Lord. And we know who our Father is. You are. And we know our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for the riches in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Your kindness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord. We acknowledge you, Lord, as our God today, as it is this today. You are our God and our Lord and Savior. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Second Kings 10.32. Amen to 1221. At about the time the Lord began to cut down the size of Israel's territory, King Hassel conquered several sections of the country, east of the Jordan River, river including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manesh. He conquered the area from the town of Aroer by the Arnon Gorge to as far as north as Gilead and Bashan. The rest of the events of Jehu reign, everything he did, and all his achievements are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. <clears throat> when Jehu died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son, Jehoahaz, became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for 28 years. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah, of Judah learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of the royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children, who were about to be killed. She put Joash in his nurse and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Atalia. So the child was not murdered. Joash remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada, the priest, summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the palace guards to come to the temple of the Lord. He made a solemn pact with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple. Then he showed them the king's son. Jehoiada told them, This is what you must do. A third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the sure gate. 
and the final third must stand guard behind the palace guard. These three groups will all guard the palace. The other two units who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. Form a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to break through. Stay with the king wherever he goes. <coughs> so the commander did everything as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as all those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoiada the priest. And he supplied them with the spears and small shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of the Lord. The palace guards stationed themselves around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada brought out Joash, the king's son, placed the crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's law. They anointed him and proclaimed him king, and everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king. When Atalia heard all the noise made by the palace guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temples to see what was happening. When she arrived, she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar, as was the custom of, at times of coronation. The commander and trumpeters were surrounding him, and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. When Natalia saw all this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, Take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. For the priest had said she must not be killed in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out to the gate where horses entered the palace grounds, and she was killed there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would, would be the Lord's people. They also made a covenant between the king and the people, and all the people of the land went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces, and they killed Mountain the priest of Baal in front of the altars. Jehoiada the priest stationed guards at the temple of the Lord. Then the commanders and the Karite mercenaries, the palace guards, and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the gates of the guard and into the palace, and the king took his seat on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful because Atalia had been killed at the king's palace. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Joash began to rule over Judah in the seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother was Zibiah from Beersheba. All his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifice and burned incense there. One day, King Joash said to the priests, Collect all the money brought as a sacred offering to the Lord's temple, whether it is regular assessment of payment or vows or a voluntary gift. Let the priests take some of that money 
to pay for whatever repair I needed at the temple. But by the 23rd year of Joash's reign, the priest still had not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoiada and the other priests and asked them, Why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more money for your own needs. From now on, it must all be spent on temple repairs. So the priests agreed not to accept any more money from the people, and they also agreed to let others take responsibility for repairing the temple. Then Jehoiada the priest boarded a hole in the lid of a large chest and set it on the right hand side of the altar of the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance pulled all of the people's contributions into the chest. Whenever the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted the money that had been brought to the Lord's temple and put it into bags. Then they gave the money to the construction supervisors who used to pay the people working in the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and the stone cutters. They also used the money to buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the Lord's temple, and they paid any other expenses related to the temple's restoration. The money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls, lamps, snuffers, basins, trumpets, or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs. No accounting of this money was required from the construction supervisor because they were honest and trustworthy men. However, the money that was contributed for guilt offerings and sins offering was not brought into the Lord's temple. It was given to the priests for their own use. About this time, King Hassel of Aram went to war against Gath and captured it. Then he turned to attack Jerusalem. King Joash collected all the sacred objects that Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, the previous kings of Judah, had dedicated along with what himself had dedicated. He sent them all to Hassel, along with all the gold in the treasuries of the Lord's temple, and the royal palace. So Hassel called off his attack on Jerusalem. <clears throat> the rest of the events in Joash's reign and everything he did is recorded in the book of the history of the kingdom of Judah. Joash's officers plotted against him and assassinated him at Bet Milo on the road to Selah. The assassins were Josachar, son of Shimeah, and Jehoshaphat, son of Shomer, both trusted advisors. Josh was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son, Amasiah, became the next king. <laughs> Woo! We what a what an incredible story. Yeah. Woo. Before we start our comments, dear yes. prudent wife, let's read uh, the study that says it right here. Jehoiada the priest and other advisory probably governed Judah during the first seven years of Joash's reign. Joash did much that was good and right, but he didn't go far enough in removing sin from the nation. He was faithful to the Lord as long as Jehoiada was alive, and Judah was at peace. During that time, however, after Jehoiada's death, ungodly leaders influenced Joash to forsake the Lord and follow Canaanite practices. See Second Chronicles 24, 17-22. Joash's failure to destroy the pagan shrines later became a source of spiritual compromise and probably contributed to his violent death. If you're seeking to follow God more faithfully and looking for direction, here are some good 
questions to ask. Does the Bible expressly prohibit this action? Does this action take me away from loving, worshiping, or serving God? Does it make me a slave? Does it bring out the best in me, consistent with God's purpose? Does it benefit others? Rather than allowing yourself to be swayed by others who aren't pursuing God, find wise mentors who are following God. Look at their lives. More importantly, be attentive to God's spirit and hold true to what God has said in the Bible. Amen. So, um, I know it. it's, it's it, it, you know, we were a little cold and it started about King Hassel did an incredible amount of uh, of uh, taking territory away from Judah, and then he he messed and kicked butt. You know what the Lord told me right now? Uh-huh. That the the book of of the history of Jehu's reign uh-huh. of the kings of Israel. Uh-huh. In my heart, this book, I believe it's lost. The book of the history of the kings of Israel. Uh-huh. But it is so important that I be I believe that that art, art of, artifacts are going to be found on this, mm. just like the the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, mm. artifacts will be found of this book. Amen. And it's going to cause such a joy to uh-huh. us Christians, you uh-huh. know, that we'll be able to read more. And even cause for the world to, to believe by finding this from yeah. so many years past. You know, it'll be a verification. Yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. Well, one thing, I just a couple of things, that, little symbols I saw here is that Atalia, when she learned that her son died, she began to wanting to destroy the rest of the royal family. So Jesus is a king, being royal, and they, they took the infant son out of there, took him away, just like they did when Joseph had the dream to take, you know, you got to go to get out of there. Remember? Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I kind of picked up. The other thing I picked up is that the people were saying, it says uh, over here in verse uh, 12, it starts at 12, but at the end there, um, then Jehoda, Jehoiada brought out Joash, the king's son, Jesus, right? Placed the crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's laws. They anointed him and proclaimed him king, and everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king. Remember when he came in on the the donkey, mm-hmm. or, and they were during that song, mm-hmm. the, or the yes. Palm Sunday, Long Hail the King. Just kind of two symbols there, that's all. I kind of picked up that, you know, this little reflections of the Lord in there. And... Um, And then I like the way they were giving the offerings, you know, per, paying for the church, you know, to be restored, you know, to repair it. You know, they made the box and they put the hole in it like, you know, we do, often do with the piggy bank. And we put, we come there and we add. Well, there's money. a great illustration that uh, these these uh, high priests were able to admit they're wrong. You know, they were living uh-huh. high in the fat. Can you imagine mm-hmm. the much money they were taking in for yeah. their own welfare? Uh-huh. And then the kings have probably heard reports, and they and they didn't pick up, they didn't do any construction, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the king came in and took over, and said, "You will not receive any right. more money from right. your own." And they agreed. Right. But even though they agreed, they still would not use bad money. Right. Amen. The bad, the guilt offering and the sin offering and the sin offerings were given to them for their own use. Right. 
because they didn't want to use that money to build the temple. Isn't that amazing? It's like us when we we yeah. won the uh, $1,500 out of the uh, California lottery. Uh -huh. We used it to buy books of, uh, of you know, for salvation for others, prison of praise. We bought uh -huh. 1,500 books with the money. I always tell her because it was bad money. <laughs> you know, it was bad money from... And uh, so we used it to, to, to push, to bring more people into the kingdom of God where they in turn can give good money to the temple of God yeah. when they become Christians. Yeah, so it's, I like it said, uh, they were honest and trustworthy men. No accounting was required from this construction supervisor because they were honest and trustworthy. And, you know, the, the one for the guilt and the sin offerings that were brought to the temple were given to the priests. That's what I said, yes. Yeah, so, you know, those that are doing God's work deserve that honor. You know, you know how a lot of people say, "Well, the churches want your money." Da 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 da. That's a that's a perspective they have because of a lot of a lot of you know televangelists have made it seem about money. <clears throat> but yeah. it is right to honor the people that are doing the work of God. Of course, you know, yeah. and Pastor Jim Reeves again in his church, a faith community church. I have seen it through the years. Is where they. Every six months, they're painting the walls, mm -hmm. they're changing the carpet, mm -hmm. they're installing new high-definition uh, televisions all over the place. They got their, ch you know, years ago when they first started, uh, the church looked good, but inside the children's ministry, there was the, the roof was leaking and they had buckets to hold water and and um, a newspaper went in there in an article, and they wrote up how bad we were not paying attention to the children's ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, they wrote a negative article right. on uh, Faith Community Church. Right. And Pastor Jim, after that, it was the best thing that ever happened. They, they all spent like $300,000 on building the children's ministry and make it a, a, academic. And they called it, uh, you know, Honey Creek University, uh -huh. where we all count. I had so much fun being a counselor there and dealing with the fifth graders myself and or the first graders or whatever, and uh, taking other kids mm -hmm. there. You took Bernie and Anthony there? Uh, yeah, well, mostly I, I took uh, also two of the little cousins that were around there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a great time. In other words, um, he paid good money to the workers, and the workers were on a handshake, you know. A lot of work. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the way it's like, you know, people with good hearts, you just give mm -hmm. them a handshake. Mm -hmm. They're going to get something right. done to their best of the ability. Right, amen. Awesome. Okay, let's go. Okay, go let's ahead go and read the New Testament, please. Acts, Acts chapter 18, 1 through 22, please. Ready. Okay. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila. <laughs> They had left Italy with Claudius Caesar, deported all Jews from Rome. When? They had left Italy when Claudius. Oh, when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. <clears throat> Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike, and after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia... Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, 
But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust off from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to preach to the Gentiles. Mm. Um, then he left and he went to the home of Titus, just as a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, was, and everyone in the household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul became, also heard Paul and became believers and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, "Don't be afraid. Speak out." Ooh, I like that Lord. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in the city belong to me. So Paul strayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that the that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. <laughs> and he threw them out of the courtroom. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, no, Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. Oh. But Gallio paid no attention. Wow, wow, wow. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Centuria. There he shaved his head, according to Jewish custom, making the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the post of Ephesus, port. where Paul left. Oh, at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, "I will come back later, God willing." Then he set sail from Ephesus. The next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. Amen. Okay, let me read today's study, Acts 18, 1-5 says, It was Jewish custom to provide sons with a manual trade, including young men who intended to become rabbis, or other professionals. Jewish young men each learn a trade and try to earn his living with it. Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila had been trained in tent making, cutting and sewing the woven cloth and goat's hair into tents. As a tent maker, Paul was able to go wherever God led him, carrying his livelihood with him. This left him free to spread the good news on the Sabbath. Later, when Silas and Timothy arrived, they supported Paul so that he was free to spend all his time preaching the word. 
<clears throat> be ready to serve Christ no matter what your employment situation might be. Be prepared to work and minister where you are. That, that may mean working to support yourself and your family and working to spread the good news in off hours. If you can support another believer who is gifted and skilled for ministry, rejoice in that opportunity. And if God calls you to full-time service, humbly accept support from other believers. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Interesting how it says right here that uh, Paul was a tent maker. And uh, uh-huh. that was his trade. I didn't. I didn't catch that the first time around. Where uh-huh. it said that. Where it said that. Um, you know, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, plural, just as he was. Right. There it is. Uh-huh. Uh, verse three. Huh. Eighteen uh-huh. three. Now, um, and that's a great uh, scripture to San Fernando right now. You know, that he is a, a truck. <laughs> a, you know, a, a worker. Mm-hmm. And that each Sabbath found Paul in the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. Okay, they said, mm-hmm. why? Because they they cared for him. Huh? Mm-hmm. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, put shook off his feet. Says, your blood is upon your heads. Mm-hmm. I am innocent from now on. I will go preach to the Gentiles. Right. Mm. You know, we, many times we went into a situation where you try to preach to somebody or give a, a gospel, the gospel to someone, and they just won't take it. So it's like their own, you know, you dust off. You don't sit mm-hmm. there and argue and labor over that if they don't want the truth. It's not the blood of Jesus is over their head. It's their own belief system that they have that's incorrect. you got to move on to the next. Um. I really like where it says in number nine here. It says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you. For I am with you. I am with you. No one will attack you. No one and harm you. For many people in the city belong to me. Many people in the city. Not all of them. All of them. But many people in this city belong to me. Right. So they already belong to them. They need to be saved. That's right. what he's saying, right? right? Mm-hmm. So right. when we run into people, some of them belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. They need to be saved. We don't know which ones. Mm-hmm. Right. I really like the way that the judge just said, you know, it's like, you know, when you when you have God with you, the favor of God covers you. And then this, this is a good example of it. It says, but just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since this is merely a question of word, words and name and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. You know, and he threw them out. <laughs> so it's God handling it, you know. Threw them out of the courtroom. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's amazing that the crowd, because they don't like failure... Mm-hmm. You, th- you think they would grab Paul to beat him up, mm-hmm. but they grabbed the accuser. Mm-hmm. You know why did he? They shamed them, mm-hmm. the Jewish people, in front of the uh, the Roman people, the Roman judge. That was a Roman judge, right? Mm-hmm. That they went to. Yeah. And they uh, they don't like failure, and they beat up the high priest, the yeah. leader. Of the, is it the high priest, the leader of the synagogue, mm-hmm. right in the courtroom? 
and Paul just passed right by. <laughs> That is uh, that is an answer to prayer, you yeah. Yeah, it's a huge answer to prayer. Isn't that amazing, huh? Mm-hmm. But you know, the Lord is, he's, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Speak out my gospel, people. You know, no one will harm you. Awesome. Okay. Um. Okay, Psalm um, one forty-five, one through twenty-one. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Okay. okay. Psalm 145, Anna. 1 to 21. I will exalt you, O my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic and glorious er, majestic glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Wow, thank you, God. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. And all your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power, and they will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts up those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He's filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Bless your holy name. We bless you, Lord. We Amen. praise you. We thank exalt you, you. We thank you for the reading of your word. Hallelujah. Yeah, we yes, proclaim Lord. your power. We meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor. And all your wondrous works, for you heap up the oceans, Lord. Amen. And your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. Amen. I will proclaim your greatness, and everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. Lord. Amen. They will sing joy about your righteousness. Amen. Amen. For your mercy and your compassion, Lord, your unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. And all your works will thank you. 
all of your works will thank you. We all thank you, Lord, all your creation. Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. Hallelujah. They will thank you, and we will praise you. And we will speak of the glory of your kingdom. We will be examples of your glory and your power, Lord. Amen. We will tell about your mighty deeds, of what Jesus has done, the, about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and you rule through all generations. Hallelujah. The Lord, you have always kept your promises to us, Amen. Lord. To all the body of Christ, and you are gracious in all you do. Amen. Proverbs 18, verse Amen. 1. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Amen. Amen. That's such a good psalm right there. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you today, Lord, June 28th. For 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 1 to 14, 29. Lord, just like the uh, prophets of old, Lord, we prophesy that we will hear your voice, Lord. Amen. Lord, you have said, Lord God, that those who seek you and, and search for you with all their hearts, they will find you. Amen. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that this is us, Lord. We set our time now and this afternoon. You promised, Lord God, that, that, you, that our job is to seek you with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, Lord. Seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord. And Lord, you open our hearts and our minds and you give us what we need, Lord. We thank you. And Father, we just thank you for on this day before our in, the Independence Day, Father, the freedom that Jesus came to bring us. We're grateful for, Lord, and, and the country that we can uh, walk freely in peace, Lord, because of your covering, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that, Father, the only freedom comes from Jesus, your son Jesus, that freed us at the cross, Lord. And, and Father, we just say that you are the God of this nation, Lord. You are in charge of this country, Lord. And we thank you that people will turn back and to you, and you will cover this nation, Lord, and keep the terrorists at bay, Lord. And, Father, even convert the terrorists, Lord, and save their souls, Lord. And we thank you for this day and this time. And thank you, Father Jesus. Amen. Okay, Second um, Kings 13, 1 to fourteen twenty nine, please. Okay, it says, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Jehoash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam's son Nebat, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he allowed King Hazel of Aram and his son Ben-Hadad to defeat them repeatedly. Then Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard this prayer, his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans. Then Israel lived in safety again as they had in former days. But they continued to sin following the evil example of Jeroboam. 
and they also allowed Ashra's pole in Samaria's to remain standing. Finally, Jehoahaz's army was reduced to 50 charioteers, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot, foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed the others, trampling them like dust under his feet. The rest of the events in Jehoahaz's reign, everything he did and the extent of his power, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoahash became the next king. Jehoahash, son of Jehoahaz, began to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Jeroboam too became the next king. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows, and the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, Shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. Amen. You, for you will completely conquer the Armenian Arameans at Apex. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and he was and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band on these they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. King Hazel and Aram had oppressed Israel during the entire reign of King Jehoaz. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them against or he pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day, he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. Hmm. 
King Hazel and Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became the next king. Then, then Jehoash, son of Jehoaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazel, the towns that had been taken from Jehoash's father. Jehoaz, Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and he recovered the Israelite towns. Amaziah, son of Joash, began to rule over Judah in the second year of the reign of King Jehoash Ash. of Israel. Amaziah the 25 year, was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Jehoadin from Jerusalem. Amaziah did what was pleasing to the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. Instead, he followed the example of his father, Joash. Amaziah did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. When Amaziah was, was well established as a king, he executed the officials who was, had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord as written by Moses in the book of the law. Parents must not be put to death for their sin for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Those deserving to die must be put to death for their own crimes. Amaziah also killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also conquered Selah and changed his name to Jokethil, <laughs> as it's called to this day. One day Amaziah sent messengers with this challenge to Israel's king Jehoash the son of Jehoahaz, the grandson of Jehu, come in and meet me in, the ba in battle. But King Jehoash of Israel replied to King Amaziah of Judah with this story out in the Lebanon mountains. A thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree, give your daughter in marriage to my son. But then, But just then a wild animal of Lebanon came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you are very proud of it. But be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen, so King Jehoash of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah. The two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and its army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured Judah's king Amaziah, son of Joash, and grandson of Ahaziah at Beth Shemesh. Then he marched to Jerusalem, where he demolished 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the articles from the temple of the Lord. He also seized the treasures from the royal palace along with the hostages and then returned to Samaria. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with the king Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehosh died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel and his son Jeroboam II became the next king. King Amaziah of Judah lived for 15 years after the death of King Jehoash of Israel. 
The rest of the events in Amaya's, Amaya's reign are recorded in the book of history of the kings of Judah. There was a conspiracy against Amaziah's life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. They brought back his body back to Jerusalem on a horse as he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. All the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son Uzziah as king in place of his in place of his father Amaziah. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah. Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. Jeroboam reigned in Samaria 45, 41 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Jeroboam, too, recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo Hamath and Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amiti, the prophet from Gath-Hapur. For, for the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel and that there was no one in Israel slave or free to help them and because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely he used Jeroboam the second the son of Jehosh to save them the rest of the events in the sovereign reign or in the reign of Jeroboam the second and everything he did including the extent of his power his wars and how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamath which had belonged to Judah he are recorded in the book of history and the kings of Israel. When Jeroboam II died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Zechariah became the next king. The interesting uh, readings here is this this Jehoash on thirteen fourteen. He says when Elijah was in his last last illness, so mm -hmm. he had more than one illness, mm -hmm. King Jehoash of Israel visited him and mm -hmm. wept over him. That's wow. amazing. Yeah, I didn't my that. father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. In other words, he saw the, he saw the procession that was going to come and pick up Elijah. Mm. He saw, wow. he mm. saw the, uh, that it was time to take a great general home. You know, it's really beautiful to see that even the the, uh, the kings of Israel, they're able to see King David, was able to see into the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and see all the action being taken place. And then, uh, so it just goes, get a bowl and some arrows, put your hand on the bowl, and, it, and Elijah laid his own hands on the king's hands. So Elijah was uh, strong enough to uh, pull back on the thing, and they... Then he commanded to the servants, open the eastern window. They opened, and then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elijah proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory of a ram, if you will completely conquer the Armenians at pick. Now, for us, picking up the arrows and hitting them on the ground, for us, is clapping our hands, shouting, speaking to our bills, you know, uh -huh. cause, causing the elements uh -huh. to move. Mm-hmm. You know, and proclaiming the victory. Mm -hmm. See, that was, they released faith with the arrow. Mm -hmm. They Amen. released yeah. faith yes. with hitting the arrows on the floor. Yes. And he was, should have been adamant. Bam, 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 bam. You're 
You're yeah. out of here in Jesus' you name. You know, yeah. if the prophet of God tells you something, yeah. you jump, you know, with uh, with belief. But And he told him, he said, this is the Lord's arrow. Now, if if I as a prophet say, Brianna, here's the Lord's arrow. This is your debt. Here, you got the victory already. What are you going to do? One, two, three, four. Bam, you're out of here in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> You're getting on my parade, babe. <laughs> You're a death taking me, babe. No, I'm not. I'm just saying this is the Lord's arrow. That's exactly what I just said. This is, you know, the the Lord. What is the Lord's arrow to us? Is our mouth, our no, arms, our hands? I'm just reiterating what you said. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. But for us, what is it for us? Worshiping the Lord. Praising, stomping our feet. You know, making, throwing rocks out the window, whatever. Is actually is, is our actions signify our faith, our love and our faith and our belief. Mm. Yeah, I really like you, that. You want me to go get some arrows, baby? Uh, so, yeah, they, you, the prophet got mad. You should have struck the ground. Okay, talk about the times. dead man that they throw on the bones. Uh huh. A group of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the <laughs> tomb of Elijah and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elijah's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. You know, that's the when I read that, I got excited, because that's the first time that I've read that before, you know, where it... He's he, Elisha's was already dead, and his anointing just right. Has, we see the yeah. writing on the wall. Yeah, and you then, know, I wonder if that's why people go to dead people's graves and think they can get it that way. That's the wrong way, but the anointing. Yeah, I have, yeah. I've heard that people go and lie on top of the grave to see if they can get that famous man of God's anointing, which I don't. Anyway, this was very awesome. Well, I like the next statement, uh, 23. Would you read it? Yeah, King Hazel of Aram had oppressed Israel during the entire reign of King Jehoaz, but the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Beautiful. And so this day he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. Now King Hassel, he was a bad dude. He lasted for a long time, you know, uh-huh. when he came into it. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, and uh, I'll go ahead. That's all. I, I like the way he came to pick, uh, to pick a, a challenge with Israel, Jehoash, because of his... Uh, his great victories. But, you know, because the Lord prophesied over here in 22, 23, and then on the next chapter, 14, come, that comes in chapter 14, uh, verse 8, one day a Messiah sent messengers, uh, come and meet me in battle to, to Jehoash, and, and God had already said he was going to, but the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel. So they were not totally destroyed. So he was going to already said he was going to help them. So this guy was very confident that God had, his anointing had told him, 
hey, I am with you. I'm not destroying you because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're not completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. So he was already spiritually fit. He knew his God, and he was able to tell. He told him, stay at home. Why stir up trouble? Oh, you will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you are very proud of it. But be content with your victory and stay at home. But a Messiah refused and to listen to the king of Jehoash, and uh, they even they they captured him at Bethshedem, and they marched to Jerusalem, and where they demolished six hundred thousand feet of Jerusalem's wall. Mm -hmm. Okay, he carried off all the gold and silver, mm -hmm. all the articles from the temple of the Lord. Uh -huh. I wonder if the uh, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, was there. He also seized the treasures from the royal palace along with the hostages and then returned to Samaria. So he had a pretty good loot, pretty good carried treasures, mm -hmm. okay? And, mm -hmm. and, he, and even if it was the temple of the Lord, the Lord still said he was going to take care of them. The people of Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of get mixed up with Israel and Judah and going back and forth and this yeah. and that mm -hmm. over and over again. You know, it would be nice if we would just follow the history of Samaria and their kings separately, and then follow the history of of Israel, of Judah, and their people. Well, one thing one thing I was having a hard time when I was as I was reading that, you know, the, all the names are like the same: Jehoash, Jehoaz, Jeroboam, Jehu's. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to say all, you, you were know, saying I, the same thing on both names: the father and the son. Yeah. And, and, and one of them was Ash, and the other one was Hassan with a Z. Yeah, but it, at the end of the day, this theme was just the same. It was, uh, and they did evil what was in the Lord's sight. No one got rid of the, the shrines and the pagans and the worshiping of the idols and all that. So that was just kind of part of the generation that kept, you know, happening. And um, you just kept hearing that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. I don't know how many times we read that. Well, you know, we do the same thing. God gives us a job, a good paying union job, and then we want to finance more cars, boats, and so forth, and not waiting on the Lord, mm -hmm. you know. And, and that's, he answered our prayer, got us a job, got us situated, and then we in turn want more. We want to finance the thing. Instead of saving money and asking the Lord, say, Lord, what do you think I should do? And the mm -hmm. Lord said, well, why don't you buy cash, buy yourself a little a little uh, Corolla mm -hmm. to get you back and forth. Then you'll have ministry to go to this outing, that outing. You know, if we would wait on God. No, I want that $700 payment. I want that 500 I want that brand new car. And don't you know, and we, and we, and we do the same thing as these kings. We get prayers, and then we end up messing up, getting more trouble. I know, or speak for myself. Well, I I understand what you're saying because I've done that too. You know, I see that all, all of us do that. We get a little power and we get proud, just like that guy. We get a little bit of, you know, that's, you know, you really have to be a, a special person to be able to be humble, to handle money, property, and prestige for the glory of God, huh? There are a lot of people that are millionaires and billionaires that are they handle it and are doing a good a good thing for God's work. But and the, but even though they did evil in what the Lord's sight, 
he still, again going back, he pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then over here in the beginning it says, When Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Armenians. And then they lived safely again as they had had. So, but, so it's just like a theme, you know. They, they worship the idols, somebody prays, God has mercy, and they kind of have that same cycle. Seems like that one, and then he says it again in 22 and 23. You know, but, you know, we, we fast forward to how, how we're living here today. It's like the Lord says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So and the knows, law came through Moses. And people amen. choose to live under that law of Moses versus not keeping Jesus on the... So, so God delivered Jehoahaz twice. He mm -hmm. delivered him from the Aram, and then he delivered him from King Hazel. Notice... Second King, he provided someone, doesn't say who, someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Armenians. Maybe that someone will have to hell, huh? Oh, he did more bites. Oh, sorry, babe. <laughs> yeah, just place it over there. Okay. okay, let's move on. Okay. Acts 18, 23 and to 19, 12. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back to Galatia, Galatia, and Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. Amen. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments and public debate. Using the scripture, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John baptisms call for repentance from sins. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some, some became stirred with stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. 
Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next few years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Wow. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of the diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Wow. Wouldn't you like to have a power from God to perform unusual miracles? Amen to that. Or even when you're speaking to somebody and they're, yeah. they're in mm -hmm. with your space and they start falling back. Mm -hmm. Or they, they can't be quiet because truth is coming out of their mouth. They're unloading. If you ever see that when they start unloading with you? They're just talking and talking. It's look like they have a hurt in their heart and you're pulling it out. Um, Apollos was a great man, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it said unusual miracles. Amazing. <laughs> um, and I liked it over here, down here, where it says... As soon as they heard, so they got, so Paul went over there, and he asked him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said, no, they weren't even aware of it. And he said, then what did you, what did you experience? And they said, the baptism of John. And it, so he was preaching to them, explaining to them, and it says here, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Amen. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Wow. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were baptized, mm -hmm. and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke in other tongues and prophesied. You know, speaking in other tongues and prophesying is actually our arrow of the Lord and hitting our feet. Those are two actions that signify our faith in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. to, make, to make a change, to have victory. Prophesying the word of the Lord in the air. Speaking in other tongues. Yeah, and it's interesting how he... Um, it said he had daily discussions at the lecture hall, you know. This is something that he built up. It was daily discussions for two years. And it says here, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. That's that's amazing. It, you know, it, it's like that's how your faith happens, right? Faith mm -hmm. comes by hearing mm -hmm. the word. So, in over here, where it says, um, in, in 5, it says, uh, in 19.5, it says, as soon as they heard. So, that's very important. We keep hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's, you know, miracles happen. You know, we just, you get revelations. It's just, it's amazing that, you know, it's, you know, I, I saw my life before not hearing and hearing the Word of God. Now, I see my life now. As I spend time in the Word and I hear the Word and I like to love it, I love to hear the Word, you know, uh, the truth, and um, you know that's how you know you just keep on hearing. That's that's all I can say. 
Amen. I like this where it says that Apollos had an enthu- with an enthusiastic uh-huh. spirit. He yeah. taught others about Jesus mm-hmm. with an enthusiastic spirit. And, and with accuracy. Amen. Thank God. You know, enthusiastic uh-huh. spirit. So praise God. You're like a, a Apollos baby. You have a very enthusiastic Enthusiasm. Excuse me. I like and, and then they were, you know, Priscilla and Aquila helped them even more to grow more in the Lord. They took them aside and they helped them to says they explained the way of God even more accurately. God gave power. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Mm. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched the skin were placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. Amen to God. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Amen. God Almighty. Hallelujah, yeah. Okay, Psalm 146, 1 through 10. We ask God to reign as king in our lives and the community, and to and for us to do to the people. Amen. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth. And all their paths die with them. Plants. Plants. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly the lord protects the foreigners among us he cares for the orphans and widows and he frustrates the plans of the wicked the lord will reign forever he will be your god O jerusalem throughout the generations praise the lord amen amen proverbs 18 2 and 3 fools have no interest in understanding they only want to air their own opinions. Yeah. Doing wrong leads to disgrace, and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Doing wrong leads to disgrace, and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Amen. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, in the heavens, Lord, that you reign from heaven on high with wisdom and power and love. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are joyful because you are our God and you are our helper. And our hope is in the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for June 29th. We love you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you that you said, first seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord. And Lord, and not to worry about tomorrow. But rejoice, Lord, that we don't have to worry about what shall we drive, what shall we eat, where shall we live, what shall we dress. 
But in seeking you things, our Father, my Daddy in Heaven, knows those things that we need, Lord. All we are are to be obedient and to thank you for what we see and praise you for what we don't see, Lord. And thank you for simplifying our lives. We believe, Lord. So take us to the next level, Lord. Give us skill and knowledge in living with by your word, Lord. For every word of God we live by. And Lord, we thank you for being with us as we read your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for the air that we breathe and the oxygen that's right there, Lord. And for the beautiful day. It's just created by the Lord. I mean, it gets beautiful and more beautiful. And Father, we just thank you that we go to sleep knowing that the sun will rise in the morning because in this earth you have created, you hold all things together, Father. You're the one. All your fullness hugs this earth, Lord, and you love your people. We're grateful, Lord. We're thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 31 to chapter 25, verse 30. No, 15, verse 1. You're on July 4th. Oh, I'm on June 29th. Uh, sorry about that. We're behind, and Anna, I was hoping she wouldn't disclose that. <laughs> oh, I'm the one who's wrong. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're behind, and I didn't want the... The people to know that we were... Everything that's in the dark will come out to the light for the Lord. Boy, she jumped on me like white on rice. 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 1 to 16, 20. Thank you, my prudent wife, June 29th. Uzziah, I like to name a kid Uzziah, son of Amasiah, began to rule over Judah... In the 27th year of the reign of King Jeroboam II of Israel, he was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. Wow. His mother was Jecoliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amasiah had done, but... He did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. The Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house. The king's son, Jotham, was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events of Uzziah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son, Jotham, became the next king. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did, did what was evil in the Lord's sight and his ancestors as his ancestors had done. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah, assassinated him in public, and became the next king. 
The rest of the events of Zechariah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So the Lord's mess the Lord's So the Lord's message to Jehu came true. Your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. Shalom, son of Jabez, Jabesh, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Menahem, son of Gadi, went to Samaria from Tirsa and assassinated him, and he became the next king. The rest of the events of Shalom's reign, including his conspiracy, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. At that time, Menahem destroyed the town of Tapua and all the surrounding countryside as far as Terzah because his citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant women. Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria ten years, but Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight during his entire reign. He refused to turn from his sins that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then King Tiglath, Pileser of Assyria, invaded the land. But Manahem paid him 37 tons of silver to gain his support and tighten his grip on royal power. Manahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay 50 pieces of silver to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned from attacking Israel and did not stay in the land. The rest of the events in Manahem's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Manahem died, his son, Pekahiah, became the next king. Pekahiah, son of Manahem, began to rule over Israel in the 50th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years. Pekahiah did what was evil in the sight, Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Pekah, son of Remaliah, <laughs> the commander of Pekahiah's army, conspired against them with 50 men from Gilead. Pekah assassinated the king along with Argob and Ariah in the citadel of the palace of Samaria and Pekah reigned in his place. The rest of the events of Pekahiah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Pekah, son of Remaliah, began to rule over Israel in the 52nd year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 20 years, but Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. During Pekah's reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel again, and he captured the town of Aijon. Abel, Bet, Macha, Janoah, Kadesh, and Hasor. He also conquered the reigns of Gilead, 
Galilee and all of Naphtali, and he took the people of Assyria as captives. Then Hosea, son of Elah, Hoshea, son of Elah, conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the 20th year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events and Pekah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Jotham's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In those days, the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son Ahaz became the next king. Ahaz, son of Jotham, began to rule over Judah in the 17th year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. His God and his ancestor David has done, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he even followed the example of the kings of Israel, even sacrificing his own son in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practice of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifice and burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. Then King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel came up to attack Jerusalem. <clears throat> they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At that time, the king of Edom recovered the towns of Elat for Edom. He drove out the people of Judah and sent Edomites to live there, as they do this day. King Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath, Pileser of Assyria, with his message. I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and rescue me from the attacking armies of Aram and Israel. Then Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple of the Lord and the palace treasury and sent in his payment to the Assyrian king. So the king of Assyria attacked our Armenian capital of Damascus and led his population away as captives, resettling them in Kur. He also killed King Rezin. King Ahaz then went to Damascus to meet with King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. While he was there, he took special note of the altar. Then he sent a model of the altar to Uriah, the priest, along with his design to full detail. Uriah followed the king's instructions and built an altar just like it, and it was ready before the king returned from Damascus. When the king returned, he inspected the altar and made an offering on it. He presented a burnt offering and a grain offering. He poured out a liquid offering, and he sprinkled the blood of peace offering on the altar. Then King Ahaz removed the old bronze altar from its place in front of the Lord's temple between the entrance and the new altar and placed it on the north side of the new altar. 
He told Uriah the priest, use the new altar for the morning sacrifices of burnt offerings and evening grain offerings. The king's burnt offerings and grain offerings and burnt offerings of all the people, as well as the grain offerings and liquid offerings. Sprinkle the blood from all the burnt offerings and sacrifices on the new altar. The bronze altar will be for my personal use only. Uriah the priest did just as the king Ahaz commanded him. The king removed the side panels and basins from the portable water carts. He also removed the great bronze basin called the sea from the backs of the bronze and oxen and placed it on the stone pavement. In, in deference to the king of Assyria, he also removed the canopy that had been constructed inside the palace for use on the Sabbath day, as well as the king's outer entrance to the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Ahaz died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son, Hezekiah, became the next king. Amen. Wow. What an incredible story. This Ahaz, I didn't know if he was for the Lord or not, but it says that uh, he... Uh, he did, he did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord his God and his answers David. But, right. And it's interesting how he went somewhere to the Syrian and he picked up that they had uh, an altar there, mm -hmm. but, but it wasn't inspired like the one Solomon was inspired by God to make. He moved the bronze altar, which the metal has to do something about it, and then he removed the 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 sea, the bronze the bronze sea, which you know eleven thousand gallons or whatever used mm -hmm. to fit in there. I want I I think he was giving that stuff to the king, wasn't he? Yeah, it says right here. It says, uh, uh, King Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath, Pilsir of Assyria, with this message: I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and rescue me from the attacking armies of Aram and Israel. Then Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple of the Lord and the palace treasury and sent it as payment. I don't think he should have done that. Well. He took it from the, the Lord's temple. Okay. That's wrong. Well, you know, just a few, you know, how did it get a few chapters before? I remember the guy came in into Jerusalem and took everything because the guy uh, fought him. And remember, look, there was this twistle and this, you know, he's giving an example. He says, stay at home or else I'm going to beat you up. And the guy did it and he came in and he, in other words, the Jerusalem was plum plummeted already. Mm -hmm. And again, the, what happens to citizens, they pay their tithes, they bring their from all over and more money is increased. The economy is so well. And then that's where the guy took it. But uh, right here it says, uh, What sort of picture does First and Second Kings paint of Israel's faith, yeah, faithfulness to God? Here. Let's read this. Go ahead and read a bit. Okay, it says, Many kings and Judah were commended for doing what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Joash was personally involved in repairing the temple. 2 Kings 12, 6-12. Amaziah is praised for punishing his father, Joash's assassins, in keeping with the law of Moses. 
2 Kings 14, 5-6. His son Uzziah and his grandson Jotham followed in Amaziah's footsteps. 2 mm, Kings 15, 3-34. Hezekiah's trust in the Lord led to the removal of the pagan shrines and idolatrous objects. 2 Kings 18, 3-6. We're not there yet. Josiah a commanded is commended for having a heart like his ancestor David for the many reforms that he instituted and for his unqualified concern of the law of the Lord. 2 Kings 23-25 Through the books, book of Kings, David's heart for God is held up as a model for godly obedience to the Lord. 1 Kings 14-8, 2 Kings 22-2 Although those kings remained faithful to God's laws, neither Solomon nor the people followed the Lord completely, in the northern kingdom, the king, after Jeroboam, consistently sponsored apostate religion, incorporating the worship of Baalah and other pagan deities. 1 Kings 16.2.19 The Lord judged, condemned, and dis as such disobedience and infidelity through the history of the divided kingdom. In the northern kingdom, dynasty after dynasty fell while the people suffered drought, famine, and war. They learned of too painfully that although spiritual obedience brings God's blessing, disobedience will incur his severest judgment. Deuteronomy 28, 1-68, 1 Samuel 15, 13-23. Amen. That's a special note inserted today in June 29. Most asked questions. That's a pretty good overview of the king's. Here's another one that says in today's study, this is uh, Uzziah, who was also known as Asariah, was devoted to God and enjoyed God's blessings in many ways. During his 52-year reign, he rebuilt and fortified the walls of Jerusalem, and Judah gained independence from Israel. Uzziah's devotion to God helped Judah enjoy peace and prosperity that Judah had not experienced since the days of Solomon. Although Uzziah accomplished a great deal, he followed the example of his father Amaziah and grandfather Joash by failing to destroy the pagan shrines in Judah. Uzziah's father and grandfather were basically good kings, but they were poor role models in this important area. Each of us has blind spots from things that we've grown up with or gotten used to. For Uzziah, the pagan shrines had always been there. He followed the examples he saw, but God commanded commanded deeper changes. Jesus provides a perfect role model. No matter how you were raised or who has influenced your life, Jesus should be your example. Amen. It's important to pay close attention to how he lived and what he thought, taught. When you read about Jesus' life, imagine how you can follow his example. That's good. And the one that I really, uh, Cash Luna was on today, and he would... Yeah. And he told, no, it wasn't not Cash Luna. It was uh, the other guy, uh, Keith Moore. Yeah. We were listening, and Keith Moore was giving us examples. And yeah. he said, he told Peter, Peter was complaining, hey, what about John right here, you know? Yeah. He's a, he's a kiss-ass. John goes around kissing butt. And Jesus tells him, what did he say? What is that to you? Follow you, me. And you know... Excuse me for saying kiss button that yeah. in the Bible study. I apologize. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, they were men and they were rough men. They were truck drivers, you know. 
And uh, they weren't, you know, a lot of the things weren't recorded. I'm sure they had fist fights, they had jealousy, they had little groups that that fitted to each other, and Jesus was always playing referee in there. But the point I'm making is that Jesus is our jubilee. Amen. Jesus is our, he is Peter's jubilee. When he needs wisdom, uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, Peter had it. When when uh, Peter needed power and confidence, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit. Peter had it. So when 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 Peter needed love and compassion, you know, when he had it with Jesus, and, and he was equipped. To do the ministry, he had confidence. He was a changed man right. through the race, through seeing Jesus as a loving example, obeying his father, go to the cross because of his love for humanity. Mm-hmm. He was, like Cash Luna said, he was crucified for saying, Abba, Daddy. Mm. Basically, that's why they were blasphemy. Because mm. yeah, he was saying, right. Abby, yeah. Abby, no, Abba, Father. Yeah. And, that, and, he's, and Cash Luna said, that is our rightful privilege today to call Abba Father Amen. our daddy and to communicate Amen. him in prayer Lord I'm asking you for a blue uh, Hummer a dark blue Hummer brand new never been used before Lord for uh, because you're my daddy now I'm throwing my fate way out there huh I have what do I have Lord I have I have a ring that's worth a little bit of gold Lord I ask you to multiply it a million times Lord and we thank you for it and I got off the subject. So Jesus is our everything. Amen. Now that he reigns as victor in the heavens, he sends us wisdom, strength, and love to do his work. Amen. He supplies us. Amen. He, God is able, exceedingly Amen. abundantly above all Amen. we think. And That's we, right. Right now as we were reading this stuff, I realized how much peace we have in this atmosphere right now. Hmm. We have peace. We have time. We don't have fires burning. We don't have emergencies. We got peace, and that's because we seek to to watch out for our blind spots, watch out for what we hear, watch out what we listen to, how we act, what we say, and is it concurrent with the Word of God? Does it does it glorify God? Does it does it keep uh, the the uh, the cause of Jesus alive? The way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Very good. Thank you, babe. You're next. Okay, Acts, Acts 19, chapter 13, please. Acts chapter 19, verse 13 to 20, today's study. The sons of Sceva were impressed by Paul's power to drive out demons. His power came from God's spirit rather than witchcraft and was obviously more powerful than theirs. They discovered, however, that no one can control or duplicate God's power. These men were calling on the name of Jesus without knowing him personally. The power to change people's lives comes from Christ. It cannot be unlocked by reciting his name like a magic charm. God works his power only through those he chooses. The contrast between Paul and the sons of Sceva was not lost on the people of Ephesus, Acts 19, verse 17. The resulting fear caused the inhabitants to honor and respect the name of the Lord Jesus. 
It led many to confess and forsake their sinful practices, including sorcery. The power of Jesus is undeniable, people. Some may represent Jesus in ways that you dislike or disagree with, but Jesus is Lord over everyone, even those who misrepresent him. Instead of telling them to stop, focus on representing Jesus in the best way you can. Jesus told his disciples, anyone who is not against us is for us. Mark chapter 9, verse 40. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, Acts 19, verse 13 to 41. A group of Jews um, was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus. When Paul preaches to come out, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. <laughs> wow. Seven sons of Sceva. Um, and the story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burnt them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Acacia, or Achaia, 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 before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Aristus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble, uh, about that time, serious trouble developed. In Ephesus concerning the way it began with Demetrius a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing sh uh, silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis Artemis he kept many craftsmen busy he called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows gentlemen you know that our wealth comes from this business but you have seen and heard this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods are really gods at all. Um, and he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Whoa. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aris 
Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions for Macedonian. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting someone, one thing. Some, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He mentioned, he motioned for silence to try to speak, but when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. <laughs> Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At, the, at, the, at last, the, ma the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges. And if there are complaints about other matters, they can settle in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government. Since there's no cause for all this commotion, and if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. Amen. You know, it's uh, really interesting how, um, you know, it could be really exciting to see, uh, you know, when I first saw some, uh, a man healed about 40 people, and they all fell down, and they were hit with laughter, I wanted that, you know. I wanted that, I wanted that ministry, and, and I sought it for a long time. To uh, be able to do that, because you know you, you you have good intentions. Now, right here, a group of Jews were traveling from the town from casting out evil spirits. Mm. They, they they you know they were had good intentions. Mm. Okay, so you can't. Uh, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. They tried in concession, saying, you know what they saw, but they haven't made a real commitment to them. Right. Uh, so the and, and you know uh, uh, the evil spirits know the truth. They know the truth. They speak the truth. Um, when the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence, they that they fled from the house naked and battered. Wow. You know I can use this uh, in AA. You know the scripture. I can say. I was the man that the evil alcohol just leaped on me out of the bottle. Right. It overpowered me and attacked me with such violence trying to take my life that I came running to AA, to this house, naked and battered. You know, I can use that to uh, speak the Word of God. And yeah. the story, and it's beautiful that, uh, you know, and also to the other thing that comes up to, okay, what other point? I got another point. Let me think on it. But, you know, it was used that, so the message about the Lord spread widely and the differences of not being born again. That was a great illustration for people to use that the devils 
concerning devils and people. It says, yeah. you must make mm-hmm. a commitment to the Lord yes, Jesus Christ. Amen. Because they say a, a solemn fear descended mm-hmm. on the city. Why would a solemn fear descend? Because the story of what happened spread legally. If you don't have a ticket to heaven, if you don't have protection of the Lord Jesus Christ, so it was used for good. Yeah, I can only like hear like the way they were trying to command the spirit out. They say, um, "I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out." <laughs> That'd be like somebody, you know, doing repeating what we're saying. Well, in the name of Jesus. Um, the way Anna speaks for that demon to come out. So they weren't really giving the Lord the whole power because they're saying who Paul preaches. It's like, well, I don't really know you, but I'm just going to repeat that. It's just a whatever. I mean, like going to a car dealership, I said, give me that car. Your payment is what the Trump money has. Trump, you know, I have. So that was kind of interesting that they tried it. You know, they were, like you said, they had good intentions, but they didn't know how to use Jesus' power because they really didn't fully know how to take the authority after, you know, he died and gave us the authority. He, they didn't know the full gospel to walk around with that power, and the demons took over. It's like, I, I, I don't know you, I know him, and I know Jesus, but who are you? So, <laughs> so you just made me realize that if this story, we can still use it today to cause, uh, so people will get, um, make a, a good judgment of themselves and their past, and then come to Jesus for, at least they have enough sense to go to the water source and drink the living water. See, the story will cause them to lick, yeah. to drink the living waters. My story will cause people to, to help them yeah, you know, drink the living water. And kind of what you said when you came home the other day, the guy said, well, I've been praying to Buddha, but he's not doing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he's recognizing that Buddha isn't. There's powerlessness. There's power. Yeah, he's recognizing a different. You know, the source. beauty is because person went from testimony to testimony right. to testimony mm-hmm. that they heard the word of God mm-hmm. in their hearts and how they, you know, one lady says she'd been in and out of rehabs for twelve times, and finally something gets caught. I had learned to trust God and relax, and he's listening, and I can tell by body languages that he wants to talk, and I said, Tim, open up your heart to us. And then yeah, he just poured it out. You know? Hallelujah. I was in Allowing control of the meeting, you know, and just yeah. and just and then I had that girl with thirty three days mm-hmm. speak and her sponsor was just gleaming with joy that they were pulling these things out of her relationship with mm-hmm. God, you know, or how she she viewed the points. So yeah, we're doing and, the work of God there. Yeah, and I really like how um, you know, said how the story spread quickly. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices, and a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. And the value was several million dollars. That's a lot of books. That's a well, lot of books to well, be burning. Well, you know, they were burning thousand-year-old books. Yeah. They were five hundred-year-old books. That's what they're talking the about. The value of the books. The value yeah. is that they they had books like the. Um, same for instance, the Egyptians had ways to change things from from the spirit realm. Yeah. Pastor Chol talks about that. Pastor mm-hmm. Chol says that he says, I always wonder how the Egyptians were able to make snakes, how they mm-hmm. were able to, to duplicate God's things, and God showed him that in the spirit realm is where all the fighting and the angels right. and devils going uh-huh. on. He goes, they can go and they can manipulate this to cause things changes. So we too 
because you know we call on the angels and the word of God. The word, if we can get the word of God solidly stable over our heads, that follow us like a GPS, like a satellite, it just stays there. Uh, we're yeah, covered. you know the word of God. You go to you go into that realm of the spirit where you declare God's word. I don't know if we, I think it was I don't know if it was Keith or Luna that was saying you know oh there. Um, I have a different spirit of faith, and therefore I believe, therefore I speak. Mm -hmm. So when I'm taking God's word and I'm speaking it forth, and I'm using it with my authority that I've been given, and I'm declaring it and speaking it in the, in the atmosphere around me, then the word has, they have to obey the truth. The truth prevails in all situations. So there's a war going up, up ahead of us, but as a Christian and a powerful believer, I have authority to ch make change. I have authority. Now, you just brought another point. Like Cash Luna, he was uh, praying for his kids. Your word says that my kids will be mighty in, in the land. Your says, word says that all the ones will be saved in Christ Amen. Jesus. Your word says, Lord Satan, you're a liar. You're That's defeated right. by the blood of Jesus yeah. Christ. My children will be mighty in the land. They will serve the Lord God and sing songs to him. They are created in the image of God. Christ Jesus. They are Hallelujah. the of God. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Satan is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We declare freedom. Hallelujah. The truth shall have set them free. Amen. And they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. the Spirit of the Lord is there. No more poverty. No more sickness and disease. No more condemnation. They are more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens them. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, I'm not done. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, I, you know, it goes back to, you know, how the, the people that were creating the silver for these gods um, and how they were saying that Paul's going around and pretty soon they were so concerned that their god wasn't going to be able to, you know, to be um, worshipped um, at all. Um, so, it says, at this their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. When they began to declare a god that's powerless, confusion mm. came in. Confusion came in. They went to this place in the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Articus, who were Paul's traveling companions. And so they went into this amphitheater, and they really didn't know why they were there. They were confused. You know, when their spirit of confusion comes in, it's confusing. <laughs> you don't know what to do. Why are you here? I don't know, you know. So um, it just goes to show you that our God is a real God. And, and, you know, these Buddhas and these statues that you see, you know. I, well, you know, it's, it's amazing how Satan works because he says right here, we all know it's the truth that she came down from heaven. You know, all these uh, people believe in myths. Right, right. And we have them in every, every, every country. Yes, yes. People believe in, in the Queen Mary, the in Mary, in different names, right, Guadalupe, right, this and that. Right. You know, and that's why we are to put our hope in the coming of Jesus and, and his love to the Bless cross, his obedience to the Lord. You know, that's what we meditate on. So what do you meditate on? You meditate on the how Jesus went into the cross and you derive, after your meditation, you get joy, you get power, you get glory to do this work here. Uh, another thing that you, that really stands out is um, citizens of Ephesus. Right. 
they uh, they had they had civil law and they all abided. And the citizens of Ephesus were mixed races. There were Greeks and Jews, and they weren't all Jews because remember they started shouting when they saw that the guy was a Jew who was going to start speaking oh, to yeah. them, uh-huh. and then they shouted for two hours. Right. So they had, uh, but they were, they would conform when they said Rome, Rome law says that, you know, they're going to take this as a, you know, commotion. So uh, they, they, they dismissed, they said, we'll take, we'll have laws, take the assemblies. You know, it just goes to show that uh, they're, you know, they, they, ex- they accept uh, words and rules. And, you know, what's one that amazes me about the Jewish people is that, is that they have so much literature that goes into their system and they live and they they talk to each other about the literature about the law of moses about writing about washing and cleanliness and eating you know it just there's no other nation in the world or or other in in that has you know so much literature that they abide it by mm-hmm. i mean who else the greeks maybe uh, you know we don't have their literature today there they, we got a little bit of their um, and that's what we are. We have the New Testament, Amen. you know, and we refer to it constantly, you know. So who do you think you are, Fernando? Follow me, Jesus. And that humbles me. Amen. That's right. Okay, you want to finish it off, babe? Okay, so anyways, yeah, there was confusion everywhere. Just amazed how they called forth their God and the God brought confusion. <laughs> and it's interesting that Paul hasn't written the book of Ephesus uh-uh. yet. We get a good good um, understanding of what mixture of people were in there. Yeah. Okay, so thank you, Lord. Tonight we'll be on 30. And then we'll only... Okay, baby, I'm recording right now. All right, uh, Psalm 147, 1 to 20. Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. Why don't you you read a little prayer right there? Pray the prayer. Ask God to heal brokenhearted people that you know and to help them to trust in Him. Lord, we pray for brokenhearted people, people, Lord God, that they may know you and help them to trust in you, Lord. Give us this miracle, Daddy, we pray. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds and he counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, but he brings the wicked down into the dust. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God with a harp. He covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth, and makes the grass grow in mountain pastures. He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord delights in those who fear him. Those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates and blessed your children within your walls. He sends peace across your nation and satisfies your hunger with the finest wheat. Amen. 
He sends his orders to the world. How swiftly his word flies. Wow, Lord, how swiftly the word flies. He sends the snow like white wool. He scatters frost upon the ground like ashes. He hurls the hill like stones. Who can stand against his freezing cold? Then at his command it all melts. He sends his winds and the ice thaws. He has revealed his words to Jacob, his decrees and regulations to Israel. He has not done this for any other nation. They do not know his regulations. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4 to 5. Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows like or wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It's not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for carrying us through and through, Lord. Thank you for helping us to believe you more and more. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that we're able to read your word going down the highway, Highway 5, today the 30th, well, June 30th, and we thank you for the red pickup truck, Lord, that we're in right now. Thank you for providing, Lord God, a fire, a chariot red, super duper cab for us to travel in, Lord. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, supernaturally. And Lord, we're reading today's word. We thank you that you open our eyes and our ears. Lord, as we read your word, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 to 18, verse 12. Hoshea, son of Elah, began to rule over Israel in the twelfth year of King Ahaz's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria nine years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as the kings of Israel who ruled before him. King Shalmaneser of Assyria attacked King Hoshea. Hoshea. So Hoshea was forced to pay heavy tribute to Assyria. But Hoshea stopped paying the annual tribute and conspired against the king of Assyria by asking the king Saul of Egypt to help him shake free of Assyria's power. When the king of Assyria discovered this treasury, treasury, he seized Hosea and put him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria. Finally, in the ninth year of king Hosea's reign, Samaria fell and the people of Israel were exiled to Assyria. They were settled in the colonies in Hala, along the banks of the Harbor River in Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. This disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worship other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh the king of Egypt. They had followed the practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the king of Israel had introduced. 
The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves and all their towns, from the smallest outpost to the largest walled city. They set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles at the top of every hill and under every green tree. They offered sacrifices on the hilltops just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they were. Delicious. Excuse me, waiter, can we get our checks? No, uh, I think I forgot my wallet back in the cabin. Tell Marie about a guy. Yes, the Lord has sent his prophets. They offered sacrifices on the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshiped idols, despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. Again and again, the Lord had sent his prophets and seers to warn both Israel and Judah, turn from all your evil ways, obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I command your ancestors to obey, and that I gave you through my servant, the prophets. But the Israelites would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with the, their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. They rejected all the commands of the Lord their God and made two calves from metal. They set up an Asherah pole and worshiped Baal and the forces of heaven and all the forces of heaven. They even sacrificed their own sons and daughters in the fire. They consulted fortune tellers and practiced sorcery and sold themselves to evil, arousing the Lord's anger. Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah remained in the land. But even the people of Judah refused to obey the commands of the Lord their God, for they followed the evil practices that Israel had introduced. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. He punished them by handing them over to their attackers until he had banished Israel from his presence. For when the Lord tore Israel away from the kingdom of David, they chose Jeroboam, son of Nebat, as their king. But Jeroboam drew Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. And the people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn from these sins until the Lord finally swept them away from his presence. Just as all his prophets and warned. So Israel was exiled from their land to Assyria, where they remain to this day. The king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kudha, Abba, Hamat, and Sepharvaim, and resettled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived in, the, in its towns. But since these foreigners 
settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived. The Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria. The people you have sent to live in the towns of Samaria do not know the religious customs of the God of the land. He has sent lions among them to destroy them because they have not worshipped him correctly. Wow. The king of Assyria then commanded, Send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. But these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Those from Babylon worship idols of their god Sukkot Benot. Those from Kudha worship their god Nergel. And those from Hamat worship Ashima. The Avites worship their god Nibhas and Tartak. And the people from Sepharvaim even burn their own children as sacrifice to their gods. Adramelech and Anamelech. <laughs> These new re residents worship the Lord, but they also appoint from among themselves all sorts of people of priests to offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And though they worship the Lord, they continue to follow their own gods according to their religious customs of the nations from which they came. And this is still going on today. They continue to follow their former practice instead of truly worshiping the Lord and obeying the decrees, regulations, and instructions and commands he gave the descendants of Jacob, whose name he changed to Israel. For the Lord had made a covenant with the descendants of Jacob and commanded them, Do not worship any other gods or bow before them and serve them or offer sacrifice to them, but worship only the Lord who brought you out of Egypt with great strength and a powerful arm. Bow down to him alone and offer sacrifice only to him. Be careful at all times to obey the decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands that he wrote for you. You must not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I made with you and do not worship other gods. You must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. But the people will not listen and continue to follow their former practices. So while these new residents worship the Lord, they also worship idols. And to this day, the descendants do the same. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been 
offering sacrifice to it, the bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Wow. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far as distance as Gaza and its territories, from their sm smallest outposts to their largest walled city. During the fourth year of Hezekiah's reign, which was the seventh year of King Hosea's reign in Israel, King Shalmaneser of Assyria attacked the city of Samaria and began to siege against it. Three years later, during the sixth year of King Hezekiah's reign and the ninth year of King Hosea's reign in Israel, Samaria fell. At that time, the king of Assyria exiled the Israelites to Assyria and placed them in colonies in Halah, along the banks of the Harbor River in Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. For they refused to listen to the Lord their God and obey Him instead. They violated His covenant, all the laws that Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded them to obey. Wow. Study guide on it. Okay, this today's study, Second Kings. Well, first it's uh, most asked questions. Does God give up on those who are unfaithful to Him? The King of Israel and Judah had a major role in the history of the divided kingdoms, but the people also played a part in what occurred. They followed their wicked rulers, and it is clear that their own hearts strayed from God. Second Kings 17, 9 and 11. They participated in Jeroboam's religious practices and worship at the pagan shrines. But God's Old Testament people are sometimes portrayed positively. The people of Judah rejoiced over the removal of Adalia and the installation of Joash as king, 2 Kings 11, 12, 18, and 12. At times, the people were instrumental in the succession of kings, 2 Kings 14, 21, and 23, 30. Or were responsive to godly leadership, 2 Kings 11, 17, 18, 36, 23, 1 to 3, and 21 to 23. Yet, despite God's separated warnings through his prophets, the people of both kingdoms became set in their apostasy, 2 Kings 17, 13, 22. So God righteous wrath burned against them and their leaders and he brought his threatened judgment upon them second Kings 17 22 and 23 chapter 21 10 to 15 22 17 23 26 27 God does acted according to his covenant and then with them even though he longed to restore his people yet God never gave up caring for his people Hosea 11, 1 through 11, and Leviticus 6, 26, 27 to 39. He rescued them from Sinachirib and promised that a remnant would again thrive in the land, 2 Kings 18, 23, and 
Jehoiachin was treated well in Babylon, which no doubt renewed hope among the repentant of God's people. God promised to one day restore his people from exile and give them fellowship with him in the land once again, ruling over them. Through his chosen king, the descendants of David, Jeremiah 23, 6. Anyway, today's study is 2 Kings 17, 7 and 17. The Lord judged the people of Israel because they had copied evil customs. The nation ignored God and had rejected his purpose, but they honored God and that they honor God and be a light to the world in all this, they arouse the Lord's anger. Time and time again had sent prophets to warn them about how far they had returned away from him and to call them to turn back. Finally, God did what he said he would do. He, he enacted justice by bringing judgment on the nation, Deuteronomy 28. God's patience and mercy stretch beyond any patience or mercy we show others. He will pursue us until we either respond to Him or make up ourselves unreachable by our own choices and hardness of heart. Then God's judgment is swift and sure. The only safe course is to turn to God before our stubbornness puts us beyond redemption. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the people that stray. We thank you, Lord God, that you will, Lord, you will capture people's hearts. Fix them, Jesus. Fix them. We just give to you, Lord, all our family members, Lord God, Amen. that you will guide them and teach them your ways mercifully, Lord, faithfully, and, and, and Lord, with grace, we pray Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 20, do you have anything on this? Well, just that finally a king that was, you know, seemed pleasing in the Lord's sight. I mean, every time you open the book of Kings, it's so-and-so did evil in the Lord's sight. Zechariah? Yeah, was it Zechariah or Hosea or something? And there. Hezekiah. Hezekiah, okay, Hezekiah. And the Lord was with him. And he helped him a lot. Um, so yeah, he was just sad. You know, just kept doing the same thing: the idols, the worshippers, the poles. The, so it, you just wonder why people just go off on their own. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 38. When the uproot was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all of the towns that he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was prepared to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to turn through Macedonia. 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 Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, Sopater, son of Phyrus, Phyrus from Berea, Aristarchus, 
and Secundus from Thessalonica, Galus from Derby, Timothy, and Tychicus, and, Tro and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Mac Macedonia, and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Wow. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unheard, and everyone was greatly relieved. Wow. Paul went by land to Asus, where he had arranged for us to join him. While we traveled by ship, he joined us there, and we sailed together to Mitaini. The next day, we sailed past the islands of Chios. The following day, we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on the past Ephesus. Paul had decided to sail on on past Ephesus, but he didn't want to spend any more time in the providence of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of the Pentecost. But when we landed in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in providence of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that come to me from the plots of the Jews. I never came I never came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sins and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lies ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare to you to you that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I do, didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and God's people. 
feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which in the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort, distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and to the message of His grace Amen. that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. Amen. Amen. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that the, these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Amen. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again. Then they exhorted him down to the ship. Amen. Okay, let me read today's study. It says right here, Acts 20, verse 18 to 21. Paul served humbly and with many tears, but he never quit, never gave up. The message of salvation was so important that he never missed an opportunity to share it. And although he preached his message in different ways to fit different audiences, the message remained the same. Repent and turn to Christ by faith. The single most important goal of prayer Paul's life was to tell others about Christ, Philippians 3, 7 and 13. It's no wonder that Paul was the greatest missionary who ever lived. God is looking for more men and women who will focus on that one great task that God has given them to do. But following Jesus is not an easy road. Being a Christian will not solve or remove your problems. Examine your attitude towards wealth, comfort, and God. If you focus more on what you want than on God's kingdom, it's time to re-examine your priorities. Amen. Anything? Um, back to what he said, um, of the grace of God, which is able to build you up. Amen. That's, and now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace. That is, that is able, able to, to build you, you up, up amen. Like that. and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Hallelujah. Amen. An inheritance. Hallelujah. Um, about the guy who fell down, what happened to him? A young man, uh, maybe he hit the bushes or something, or Paul healed him, but he wasn't, he wasn't he was hurt. hurt. Yeah. He was alive. It said he was dead. And then when Paul picked him up in his arms, he was alive. So, yeah. what was it he was doing? That he, that uh, he was leaning up against the window, and he was. Paul kept preaching. It was midnight. The kid fell asleep, and he slipped <laughs> off the window outside, and he fell. Okay. And he, because that was Paul was going to leave the next day, and uh, so he needed to talk to the Ephesians. 
And, and, the, and it said there that the Holy Spirit um, was telling them what was about to come, about jail and some other things. Yeah, that the Holy Spirit kept giving him warnings yeah. and seeing that he knew that trials and jail was coming. Yeah. You know, that was his future. You know, and, and it was, you know, he still went to Rome, and then he started sending back letters to the Ephesians yeah. and everybody, every place he visited already. Amen. And he was really concerned. He had been there three years, and he was really concerned about the people, about the, the, the wolves coming in and undoing his work. Amen. He said people will come try to get a, create a following of interest, mm -hmm. and ones among you, yeah, even you know, will fall. Right. It's kind of like the people get contaminated with their own, you know, they'll get uh, get tired and they'll get contaminated with others, other people's thinking, you know. Yeah, so uh, he was real concerned and about that. He's telling remember me that I was with you for, for three, three years, years yeah. preaching the same message of grace. Yeah. Join every created thing by praising the name of the Lord for who He is and what He has done. Join every created thing by praising the name of the Lord. Yeah. Psalm 148, 1 through 14. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For He issued His command, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decrees will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather, and obey him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small curring animals, birds, kings of the earth, and all people, rules, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 18, 67. Fools' words get them in constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouth of fools are their ruin, they trap themselves with their lips. Fool, the, the words of a fool get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouth of fools are their ruin, they trap themselves with their lips. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. We are blessed it is called today. Amen. Amen.